0: Hardy here for the Deadhead Cannabis Show, we're going to broadcast another weekly podcast about our adventures of being on the road and attending uh, Grateful Dead and FISH shows, and also talk about some of the social aspects of legalized marijuana.
1: How are you today, Jim? Excellent. Well, good. It's uh, Larry Michigan here calling in, and I'm on my way to a FISH show. We can talk about that later, but... I think what everybody's waiting to hear from the keys you gave us last week from the barn is what's going on. How were the shows at Folsom Field? I heard you had a little weather issue there one night.
0: Yeah, we had a one-hour rain delay. Crazy Colorado weather. seemed like there was a cloud that came in right over the stadium. They opened up with Not Fade Away, so once again, moving a second set closer to an opener, as they did at Wrigley. Or That's great.
1: I love it when they do that.
0: But for better or worse, due to adverse weather, they actually moved the set break to the beginning of the show, too. <laughs> yeah, the second song was uh, Cold Rain and Snow. In the middle of Cold Rain and Snow, Bob looks up at the sky and says, we're going to be taking a short uh, break due to inclement weather. And the band got off the stage and they came over to the PA and said, please take shelter. Uh, the rain came down in buckets. The lightning was all around the stadium. Myself and about, I don't know, thirty or 40,000 other people crowded into what's called the Field House. And the Field House is an athletic building that's connected to Folsom Stadium, and it's big enough to have an indoor track. So it's a big building. And as big as that building was, it was still shoulder to shoulder in that building. But the good news was that in spite of the uh, cold rain and eventually hail, the beer vendors kept selling beer, so no one's slowing them down, and it was pretty much a full, uh, full uh, one-hour break for the weather, and so they start up again after an hour break, the sun came out, the weather was fine after that, but they came out and they finished, they started right in the middle where they left off on cold rain and snow, and finished cold rain and snow, and the whole stadium just broke up in laughter.
1: They literally, they, they picked up right in the middle of the song? Yeah,
0: right in the middle of cold, rain, and snow. So the band has a very good sense of humor.
1: Yeah, and they did that in Chicago, too, once. I
0: was going to say, then Bob comes to the microphone. It was kind of like when you're on an uh, airplane and the pilot comes on and says, we're going to try to make up a little of the lost time for you. So Bob comes up to the microphone and says, we're going to try to make up a little bit of time for you folks here tonight, and we're just going to play straight through. And they did. They played the three-hour show straight through. And it was really a great, great show. You got to listen to The Box of Rain. Uh, the, the I Know You Rider was on fire. You get a China Cat Ryder. And the, the jams in between the verses of Rider, they just broke into this tight little Nashville jam. And it was so tight on tight. And it was just a wonderful show. And I had a great time. And then the second night was a solid performance as well. We got a terrapin. We got a Eyes of the World and a wonderful set list. If you check out the set list for both nights, it was just solid, good old Grateful Dead music, lots of classics. We got a Box of Rain, which I remember I predicted Box of Rain last Saturday in my barn.
1: Okay, so, Jim, here's my question, and this is the question on everybody's mind. Who sang Box of Rain?
0: Um, That Bob and John both sang it together.
1: So my take on that is, kind of ballsy, don't you think, to play Phil's signature song without him on stage? But on the other hand, I love that they're doing it.
0: Yeah. No, I think that, that there's—I don't think there's any kind of tension like that. I, I think they all want to have their songs played and sung. There's plenty of uh, Garcia-Hunter songs that Dead & Co. does as well.
1: I get frustrated because I think that he spends too much time on Jerry's tunes, and Bobby's just full of it. Just once, I would love to see him play a, a complete weather report suite. Just do that, and the crowd will yeah. go wild.
0: Yeah, yeah. Even with the long intro?
1: Yeah, of course. Absolutely. It would be awesome. Yeah. We caught a, uh, a really good J-Rad show last night out on Northerly oh, Island, which is just off the coast, off the shore of Lake Michigan. You have a view back with the skyline of the city. And they came out, and they really, really put on a great show. And, you know, I think they are definitely establishing themselves as the go-to dead cover band that's out there right now. I love J-Rad.
0: I love the way the drums are out front.
1: right. And last night, he had the drummer from Wilco uh, uh, Hatchkey, I forget his first name, because Wilco's a Chicago group. He came out, uh, (laughs) talk about out of order, they did a first set drum solo. And this guy was sitting there drumming with uh, Joe Russo. They readjusted his tooth. So there would be room for this guy to sit there with him and drumming until the end of the first set. And uh, it was fun, it was really, really good. It came out in the second set, they really smoked. We had a beautiful night, it was a lot of fun.
0: Excellent. Next, I love J. Red. He'll be playing Red Rocks here in August.
1: We're no doubt. And
0: that big drum set sounds so good at Red Rocks. It's just like it's just thunder coming off the stage. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about last week's show and your impressions of my friend Duke Rumbly and his comments on the some of the social aspects. And I guess one of the takeaways I had from his comments were that some of the concerns about young people teenagers smoking the concentrated products
1: yeah and you know I'm glad you mentioned that Jim because that's exactly what I want to talk about you know we're in we're an interesting point in time right now right where the, the the product keeps getting stronger and stronger and stronger and there's definitely a market for that but you know when you talk about teenagers and right we we've said this before nobody advocates underage smoking and, and anything like that but as a, as a practical matter, it happens. But the stuff that the kids are getting access to these days is frighteningly strong. And when you combine that with the studies, and Duke even mentioned it, the talk about the effects on the developing rain up until the age of 25, it kind of puts the industry in an interesting position, right? Where on the one hand, it wants to give its customers what they want, But on the other hand, you know, the goal is to have a little bit of uh, flexibility in there so that we're not, you know, getting everybody so stoned they can't see straight.
0: Right, right. The dabs and the concentrates can be very strong. And I do, I mean, I think it's a scientific fact that the human brain is not fully developed until uh, age 25. And you can see a personality change in young people, my friends, my son's friends, who, you know, were great 8th and ninth graders, and then they really get into marijuana, and they start kind of talking like this, man. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean?
1: Well, and, you know, here's a... Oh, yeah. We have proof of that, too, right? If you ever try and go rent a car, I think you have to be 25 years old for a rental car company to rent you a car. And when you get your car insurance, and I know this, because I've gone through it with three boys, when you're 16, 17, 18 years old, your insurance rates are off the charts. And finally, when you hit the age of 25 or 26, They come back down, and they're normal again.
0: Right, right. Now, the good news that I have, having something crossed my computer screen this week, is that, and I think I might have shared it with you, Mm -hmm. that the states with legal marijuana are actually seeing declining teenage years. Yes. And one of the reasons for that is it's more difficult to buy marijuana. You know, when you go into a dispensary in Colorado, you have to show your ID when you go in the door. And you show it again at the cash register. Yep. So um, and, and the state of Colorado runs sting operations just like they do on alcohol. Yep. So the dispensaries are rock solid. They do not sell to anybody without a valid ID and the proper age. And it has put the drug dealers out of business. I have friends of mine who sold marijuana for decades. And they said, man, this legal thing I really screwed everything up. I used to get $400 an ounce. And never filed a tax return. Life was great. <laughs> now I can't sell any marijuana because you can buy a $6 joint at the dispensary.
1: Right. Well, that's, I guess, the downside for some people of, of the direction that we're moving. But for the rest of us, it's uh, it's all good. But I, I, I totally understand that, and I get that, and I, I agree that that's certainly a factor. I think there's probably also a factor that teenage boys have never been too keen on doing anything that their moms enjoy doing as well. So you probably have a little bit of a balance with that. But I think it's really imperative on the industry, and I and I talk with my clients about this all the time, that you know rather than just advertising, hey, we've got stuff at you know ninety nine percent or ninety eight percent THC, that there's nothing wrong with you know promoting uh, the the uh, lower THC level product, and you know really making a point, I think, of letting people know, so if we if we don't all have to go in you know to the to the grocery store and buy, what was it called, Everclear, right? You know, the, the, the highest-ranked proof alcohol there is, and hopefully we'll develop something similar with marijuana and THC, where you know, it'll be more based on the taste and everything else, and people will feel in need to, uh, to max out on that THC level.
0: Right. And as Duke correctly pointed out, there are people in this world who do not have the stop button, and that might be true for marijuana, and it's also true for alcohol. I don't think it's good to... Drink alcohol all day, and I don't think it's especially good to be smoking one joint after another all day long either.
1: Well, I so, agree with um, that too. As
0: much as the moderation is, as cheap. much as the product is loved, it really turns off employers when their employees are heavy users. Yes, oh for sure. Uh, so, anyway, so that but I thought Duke made some made some great points, and he had some great stories to tell about how he came to sobriety, and it, I really enjoyed our talks about the War rats and what a great organization they are. So, well, that wraps up
1: um, last week, but so go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say again, you know, and, and I can't really say enough about Warfrats. You know, for me, going to the whole dead scene and, you know, being exposed to it and everything that went on there, and the idea that, you know, as far back as the 1980s, the deadheads themselves were finding ways to go and enjoy the show uh, without feeling the social pressure and giving themselves a way to avoid the social pressure of, uh, you know, of having to be intoxicated. And it's a tremendous thing, right? It's worked out really well, and I think it mm-hmm. speaks volumes to, to these communities and fish and grateful that that while people certainly enjoy the things they mm-hmm. enjoy, they also you know they're also smart about it. Then the people who know they need to take a break take right. a break and and there's groups that will support them doing it.
0: Yes, I'll never forget the first time I was at Red Rocks. Might have been a widespread panic show, and at set break I saw the Warfrats all holding hands and uh, reciting the prayer to Saint Francis. Mm-hmm. I forget exactly how that goes, but give me the strength, something like that. Yep, exactly. One day at a time. Right,
1: right. So anyway. That's great.
0: Um, but yeah, that's all been great. Now, musically, we're going to move on to talk something about Bob Weir, this podcast. Correct. Yeah, and that's where we have it.
1: Before we do that, and, and this will just take a second, I do have to say, it, and actually I'm encouraged by this. because it means Please. We've got people listening. I got some feedback from some deadheads last week when we were talking about Phil. And one of the things that they said was we forgot to mention how gifted he was musically, how he wrote you know symphony pieces that were performed by the uh, Vienna Philharmonic, and uh, the, the classical music that he was able to compose. Of that you know, and then all of a sudden he gave that up to become a you know a, a psychedelic rocker who at eighty years old is still going strong. So uh, to my deadhead friends out there who were uh, kind enough to both be listening and point that out to me. Uh, thank you, Point Made. Uh, Phil is a, a tremendous musical challenge. But I think it's time to move on yep. to Bob Weir. Give me your thoughts first, Jim.
0: So, yeah, just one quick comment on Phil. Yeah, so much of the, um, I call it rock and roll symphonies, uh, when when they're wound up in a terrapin, another, a weather report suite, it's more than just a song. It's a like a classical piece of music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so moving on and talking about Bob, I've been thinking about what to say because I have enjoyed seeing Bob Weir since 1979. It was my first Grateful Dead show. There's a wonderful documentary out there about Bob called The Other One. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's very, very good. It does. Um, It tells a good story. And and Bob goes to a Robert Hunter show and interviews him backstage. It's a really cool documentary. And a lot of people talk about how his guitar playing it really does not stand out in the mix either with the grateful dead or dead and company but if he wasn't there you would miss it and he kind of fills in the middle so he's not playing the big single notes like john mayer is right now where john mayer is filling the stadium with a single guitar note but he's in the middle and he's filling it in
1: your comments that's interesting that you say that you know for me bob weir has always been the goofy guy right and and he's he the role that he filled in The Grateful Dead was, in my opinion, you know, not that they all didn't have important roles, but you know, just as important in Jerry, he was the yin to Jerry's yang, and right, uh, he, he, he was Jerry was the kind of the stoic uh, uh, psychedelic rocker who was up there, and Bobby was playing to the crowd, and you know, kind of the teeny boppers almost, and, you know, sometimes it, it would almost be annoying, but yet at the same time. It, it, it wouldn't be them without him. Sugar Magnolia is my favorite Grateful Dead song. You know, he, he fills in so much. And the truth is, I was actually listening to the, uh, the Grateful Dead station on Sunday when they do that Golden Road show. And those guys were talking about that, you know, Bobby doesn't really get enough credit for his guitar skills. And that, you know, they were, they were pointing out some of the songs like China Cat, where he actually steps up and really fills some of the major roles. But I agree with your last statement, Jim, that if he were not there, he would be missed just as much as Jerry is missed right now. But, you know, the little things he fills in wouldn't be there. He's a little frustrating for me sometimes. I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the lobby of the wide open spaces and, you know, blue skies and the cowboy songs, but God bless him for you know doing what he wants to do. You know, he doesn't need my permission, and he's clearly got the talent, and at this stage of his life, it looks like he's having a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. Now, I myself really like the Cowboys songs
1: and as does Bob.
0: I love a Jack Straw, and I'm really happy with the uh, Blue Mountain CD that came out about a year ago. Mm-hmm. I love all those old cowboy songs. And um, I think a, a set doesn't go by without at least one me and my uncle.
1: Yeah, I wasn't talking about those. I, I was talking more about the, the new album that he did. And, and again, it's not, it's not a dislike as much as it's just, and quite frankly, I think it shows him growing and expanding as a musician at the next level. And, you know, somebody was asking me, uh, where do we think, you know, where would Jerry be had he still been alive 20 years down the road? You know, what would he be playing? What would he be doing? And you know what? It's a great question, but I can tell you this. I never go to a show where Bobby's playing and not have a good time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And he does screw up the lyrics pretty good, too.
1: Um,
0: But that's why. Listen carefully to the the Folsom show. Oh, what was the song that I'm thinking that he was, he kind of was muffled and muffling up the lyrics in um, Morning Dew at the Folsom show. But we all love him, and he's great, and he's, uh, he's kept this thing going at age 70 when he certainly doesn't have to do it. Phil doesn't have to do it. They're all multi-multi-millionaires. Uh, you know, on one of these shows, we should talk about how the electronic music and the royalties is working in this day and age, and how vast sums of money are piling up for artists because of Every time one of their songs is played anywhere in the world, they get a few pennies, which adds up to millions and millions of dollars. That's
1: true, too. So here's two inter- interesting things about Bobby and the Cowboy songs. Number one, at the shows at Wrigley Field, in the second set, they were playing Mama Ride. They played it all the way through, and then when it ended, it kind of ended disjointedly. And it wasn't quite sure where they were going or what they were going to do, so they stopped playing for it and and they talked about it. And then all of a sudden, they came back up and they they went back into the last verse of Mama Tried and they played it through so that Bobby could end it the way he wanted and roll it into love life. And I gotta tell you, what kind of a musician who's been playing for 30 years, you know, is almost like having a rehearsal on stage. It was wonderful, the crowd loved it and ate it up. And you know, he wasn't satisfied, so he went back and he took it the direction that he wanted. And here's an interesting statistic for you to think about. That the number one, all-time song yeah. played by the Grateful Dead over their 30 years by a lot is me and my uncle. Huh. It played that song more than any other song, and like by 100 shows.
0: Uh-huh. So, you know, yeah, I've always had a musical lyrical question about that song. <laughs> in the end, does he kill, does he kill his uncle for the goals, yeah. or do the other cowboys kill the? Uncle? I think it's him. Yes, it's not really clear, and I've studied those lyrics in the Grateful Dead song, yep. and it's not even clear when you read the lyrics. No,
1: it's not, but, you know, that's half the fun. But anyway,
0: yeah. So well,
1: that's all good. Yeah, too. I have
0: a uh, two good friends of mine are an uncle and a nephew, but by a twist of fate, they're only a few years apart in age. So whenever we sing that song together, my, the uncle always says, yeah, I really don't
1: like the ending. <laughs> that's right, you got to watch out for that when you're doing that. Well, listen, I know we're almost out of time, but I just, you know, have to let you know, I'm, I'm reliving a little bit of my youth. I'm in the car with my wife and two of my kids, and we're heading up to Alpine Valley in East Troy, Wisconsin, a spot where I saw the dad more times than I could count. And we're heading up there because fish is starting a three-day run tonight. So, you know, the family that goes to fish together uh, always has a good time. So we're heading up there to see it, and uh, by this time next week, we'll have more good fish stories to tell.
0: Yes. We're really looking forward to fish here in Colorado. Yeah, Alpine Valley is kind of like the Red Rocks of the Midwest. I've never been there, but I've heard many good things about it.
1: You know, it's it's really it's a beautiful place, and they transitioned up there in the mid 1980s and played there all the way, uh, almost until 1988. And they just pull into you know pull in up there and play three four shows every summer, and you know you're in the middle of cornfields up in Wisconsin. And there's this lovely place that in the winter kind of doubles as a, as a ski hill. Not much to ski down for the folks, you know, who are used to real skiing out west. But for people in the Midwest, it's not too bad. Uh, but it's got a lot of history, this place. There's been some great shows there in 2002 when the dead came back and did their Terrapin family reunion. They did it at Alpine Valley. And you know, on, on a beautiful day when the weather is nice like today, it's really wonderful. You, you could be up on the grass on the beautiful hill they have. Be down in the pavilion. You can be anywhere. And the sound is great. The crowd is a lot of fun. And we're looking forward to it. Yeah.
0: Well, does Alpine Valley have on-site camping?
1: You know, that's funny. We were talking about that because my son and his group were looking for a place to camp and all the campsites nearby were sold out. But after, you know, a little perseverance, they finally did locate a place. But no, you can no longer camp on the Alpine Valley grounds. However, when we were seeing the dead there in the mid 80s, you could camp. The people camped all over the Alpine Valley grounds. Literally, there were tents set up about 25 feet away from the entrance into the the show area. So somewhere along the way, they decided they decided to stop it. A little known fact: there's also a, uh, a lodge. Alpine Valley has a lodge that probably has about 20 rooms. And so I've got some buddies of mine who were had enough foresight to go and grab some rooms up there. So you pull in for the weekend, and you never leave till Sunday night.
0: That'd be great. I imagine those rooms sell out pretty quick, probably a year in advance.
1: Right, you have to start. You have to be willing to kind of guess when you think they're going to be there and take a camp fund and take chance on, on locking up the room.
0: Right, right. So uh, yeah, we're looking forward to our three fish shows here in Denver at Dick's Sporting Goods, and there is on-site camping at Dick's. Yep. I know you've told uh, me about that. That's a in very interesting story. How is
1: that, right? Don't you go in there every year yeah. with a camper well, and, and camp and, there?
0: Yeah, we take our RV and we pull in on Friday and we leave on. Labor Day, Monday mornings, and uh, yeah, we're hooting and hollering all night long. That's fun. It's so fun because you come out of the show at 11.30 or midnight, and you have a few short steps to your RV, and you're cracking a cold can of beer and ready to to stay up until the sun comes up. That's awesome. It was funny. My 21-year-old son, Jack, last year goes, one of my goals, Dad, this year is he plays guitar, and he brings his folk guitar. Mm -hmm. I want to stay up until the sun comes up playing music. And uh, we actually managed to accomplish that goal.
1: That's a wonderful so, goal. Um, that's, a, that's a nice thing.
0: I heard Fish is playing really, really good, pure psychedelic bliss.
1: Yeah, well, I'm excited. Uh, my older son is joining us. He just saw them in Boston a couple of nights at Fenway. And, you know, it's funny because they had a similar event out there one night where they had a, a rain issue and they wound up just playing one long set.
0: Yeah, it's been quite a summer, and it seems like we can't get a show in without a, a rainer or. Without that cold rain and hail, right.
1: well, we're, we're looking. We're hoping it's going to hold off tonight. But uh, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it, and we'll certainly have a lot to talk about next week, both in terms of uh, talking about this show uh, that's coming up, other uh, things you have to add, and then of course, you know, we always have more good Grateful Dead stuff that we have. Uh, never enough time to catch up on everything we want to talk about.
0: Very good. Well, enjoy the show, and we'll catch up with everybody next week. And to all our audience. There's ways to review these podcasts online. Next week, I'll have more detailed instructions on that. But if you can, go online and review these podcasts for us. It will help us keep these shows going. Thank you all very much.
1: Everybody, have a nice week. See you next week. Thank you.